Welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always, the man in shadow as we record this. He looks like he's uh, coming to us from an undisclosed witness protection location. Your other host. Johnson. That's right. And uh, super producer. Riley Bray. I mean, you guys can't see this at home, but like (laughs) Riley and I are fully lit and Bryce is uh in complete silhouette it is truly <laughs> it's un- just the way settling. the room is set up i'm not, not i'm not trying to be mysterio it just <laughs> happens to be that way i took a picture i'm gonna put it in our instagram so people can see what we're dealing with here. <laughs> for okay, me it's great. just the faint silhouette of the yellow uh aviator sort of shooting glasses that you're wearing that <laughs> yeah. really makes the look you know yeah well really... you know for here's a little context uh you know i might be shooting some nights uh in mm. some woods and uh i'm trying to acclimate my eyes into the dark and so oh so interesting <laughs> <laughs> I like. I love that. There's function behind Wait, this form. It's is that really what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I'm trying to like. I'm trying awesome. to like acclimate my eyes a little bit into the dark so I can see better in the, in the in the dark. So you're and, just uh, walking around in a dark hotel that. room. Yeah, I keep the lights really low and everything yes. and all that. Stuff. You are in the zone, my brother. <laughs> wow. Haven't uh, you ever read Count of Monte Cristo when he's in the was any when he's in the dungeon and he's yeah. like you know no he's I, adjusting his eyesight so he can yeah. make his escape. I just feel like this is sort of like your like half-assed Batman training for the project that you're working on. This this is totally magical Batman right now. I yeah. am like oh my yeah, god, the yeah. dark. <laughs> so, I was I was born in the dark. <laughs> Actually, it's so funny. Uh, we we might have been shooting uh, something and then. Uh, so was like, one of the crew members was like, so, someone's moving around, someone's moving around the dark. I'm like, that's just me. It's like, my God, you got, you're scaring people. Like, that's just me testing my eyesight shadows. in the dark. Just testing my eyesight in the dark. If we're really going to find this thing, we, we got to hey become guys, throw, this thing. Throw me a bagel. I, I bet I can catch it. Just throw me a bagel. Oh, man. Anyway. Oh, that's well, great. I love that. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for... Uh, Staying with us as we took a unscheduled uh, break last week, but we're back with a new episode. No guests this week. It's just going to be your BCC boys. We have got a lot of BCC news stories to catch up on. And then Bryce has a story of high strangeness for us later in the episode. Uh, But before we get into it, I just wanted to remind everybody... Uh, actually, Riley, I'll let you do the honors. Uh, we had a big YouTube launch last week. Let our listeners know what's going on over there. That we did, yeah. So we're going back through the whole catalog. It's sort of like a a, a binge along with us, and we're we're posting every episode from episode zero with these new an, animatics. I guess we're calling them. It's uh, animated. I love stills. that word. Animatics. Yeah, yeah. It's, it feels futuristic. It's our it's our Roku City from for you guys. Uh, Derek Cole from Derek Cole. Yeah, oh, yeah, great illustrations that are fan of the show. alive while you listen to the show. Shout and then on top Cole. of that, we're also doing curated playlists of listener submitted videos. So we're, we're sort of amassing and presenting the paranormal evidence as it's coming to us, and mm. it's just like a new way to go through the back catalog, but also a new way to engage with like this new wing of the show. And we're. Michael and I have been uh, incessantly texting about our YouTube. We're very excited yeah. about it. So. Oh, man. I Nothing's going to yeah. change over here for the podcast, just so no. you know. This is just an expanson mm-hmm. to yeah. to the clubhouse verse. Um, and if you would, even if you're not a big YouTube fan, if you don't mind going over there and just clicking subscribe on our YouTube channel, yeah, that would go a long way for us. And then if you are on YouTube, then you'll be notified when you know something new drops from us over yeah. there. So go check and, it and out. You know, this is how I consume most of my content is through YouTube Premium, and I'm always listening to something on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I love to have it on in the background, especially if it has like a cool animatic and it just sort of like vibes out the room a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've always like envisioned like our our BCC listeners like doing whatever it is they do, but having it 
on their big screen or game playing it onto their 65 inch and just you know zoning out to the bcc boys with those cool uh, uh animatics playing off in the background giving off cool light effects into your into your room absolutely yeah. we're also unlocking some old older i don't want to but still fresh mm-hmm. um video episodes that we've done over on bcc the other side so for example yeah. we just unlocked the season two cast chat uh, from Expedition Bigfoot. So we've so got cool. uh, Maria and Ronnie and Russell and Bryce talking about the second season of, of Expedition Bigfoot and and just looking for Bigfoot in general. So that's like a full yep. Zoom video episode over there that you can't find any anywhere else. So that's um, right. check that out. And there's some other stuff. Our live streams are going up over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just another, you know, we've always said that Instagram is like the visual aspect of the show. This is going to really be like... The video aspect of yeah, our show. Yeah, the video and mm-hmm. just also another way to get a hold of the podcast itself. So, so cool. Check it out well, over We it. appreciate your work, Riley and Michael. You guys are <laughs> fucking crushing it, man. And and shout out to uh, Wood Elf and Q Code. Thank you guys for uh, for helping us, you know, get this content out to more listeners. Yeah, it is fun to see it grow. And it's it's funny that it, 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 like, it took us six years and we were like, hey, should we be putting this on YouTube? <laughs> hey, have you guys heard of TikTok? What do you think about this, uh, yeah, uh, this yeah. thing happening? Here, it's a real grassroots uh, effort, you Here's guys. the thing. It's really just the three of us. Yeah. And by and when I say just the three of us, it's really just, just the two of you. It's just the two of us. So. <laughs> Look, he didn't want to say it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this week's oh, episode. But of course, we got to swing by and nominate our five-star club scout of the week, who I know will be clicking subscribe on YouTube.com slash at Bigfoot Collectors Club. Riley, we're headed back over to Apple Podcasts. Who do we got? <laughs> All right, you're like enough of these Amazon reviews. We've got Daya2002, and the subject is loving it. I just found this podcast and started listening from the beginning. Today I'm listening to the tribute to Art Bell. Oh, mm. Can't get enough of you guys. Please keep going. Happy 2024. Five stars. Thank Boom. you, Daya2002. Oh, right yes. That Thank was a you. nice episode. Yeah, we love Art, Art Bell, Bell, man. Man, mm-hmm. I was just... Legend. Put, we were just putting that up on the YouTube the other day. There you go. And I was like, my gosh, how time flies. Mm-hmm. All right, Riley, everyone at home, get ready, because a lot has happened since we've recorded the show. It's time for a little roundup. It's time for some... BCC News! All right, kick it off for us, B. Yes, guys, this is uh, pretty interesting. I've been uh, shuffling around a couple news stories because as they're happening fast and on the fly. Uh, (laughs) This one caught my attention. Uh, Let me know what you guys think about this. Did Japanese scientists create an MRI machine that records dreams? What? what, what? That's kind of cool, right? Um, I found this out of Snopes. Uh, Let me go ahead and pull this little bad boy up. Wait, wait. The story, what? Snopes didn't break the story. Snopes is fact-checking the story, correct? Yeah, they're or, fact-checking or Do I not understand story. how Snopes works? Yeah, no, yeah, I, that's, that's right. That Thank you, okay. Michael. That's, yeah, that's well. a good okay. parlay. Here we go. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to sort of fact-check this with Snopes. Now, the claim is that Japanese scientists have successfully created an MRI machine that can record your dreams and reconstruct them to be view- reviewed later. You don't want to do that to mine. Uh, but, you know, for you, that's cool. Um, so what's true? Right In 2013, Japanese researchers published a study describing a method for recording dreams by using functional magnetic resonating images, MRI, to record that brain activity associated with the particular objects when a subject is both awake and asleep. Now, the resulting recordings consist of flashes of images of objects that correlate with the brain activity. Uh, here's what's false, though. The result's not like a direct-to-video recording in the usual sense, nor does it comprise a narrative uh, of the subject's dreams. You know, uh, I'll just stop reading there. So it's not like a movie. Um, you know, it, it, but this is the beginning, right? And yeah. I, I, I see the potential here. What Do you, do you guys? Absolutely. And I, I think that AI tools are going to help us learn to decode the, you know, the... Uh, the, the fabric of consciousness, I guess. I, sure. I really do think Fuck so. Yeah. And because it sounds like what they're doing is they're feeding that MRI data into like a machine learning situation and then it's yep. rendering it's only images get based better on and... the. Yeah. It's a great like first step into that. I, and I do think we'll be seeing more, more and more interpreting brainwave activity yeah. through either, yeah, like MRIs or, or like, you know, like sensors. Yeah. 
I've always felt like recording dreams is like a very comic book science, like supervillain science. Mm. You know, it's like something that like Mysterio would do or like Lex Brainiac would achieve, you know? Right, right. I I mean, that's the thing that I just, it still blows my mind. What are dreams? (laughs) Like, you know, we don't really know. I feel like I'm 45 and I still don't have a good explanation for this. Neither, but it, neither ever. Yeah. The consensus in, in, in the science, they, they, it, nobody really knows either. The, the, I mean, the thing, because like, there's I, like, I remember reading like a Berenstein Bears book when I was a little kid, and they talked about how like the brain the dreams are often like your brain just processing information from the day. And I've definitely had dreams that very much feel like that. It does that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also have dreams where I feel like I am in a completely alternate reality. And the thing that still throws me is you would think that by 45, I would know when I'm dreaming or not, and things still happen in my dreams where I'm like, how is this fooling me? I wake up, and I was like, how did I fucking fall for that? You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Hell yeah. yeah. Right? I know. You'd think you would be more triggered to like uh, be recognized that you're in the dream space, but but not at all, man. You know, you know what's wild, is, and I was sort of talking about this the other day, but People often use this line like, you know, when I became lucid, uh, it was more real than the actual waking world. And I find that so fascinating, this idea that, you know, as if this material world wasn't real enough. But somehow, mm. you know, when people are lucid in this dream space, they find that they're, they have more senses than we do here. Uh, you know, they can still feel, touch, smell, see, but they can also move at an instant and, and take in new types of information and sensory information. It's incredible, you know? I mean, that makes sense in a lot of ways because you're not interpreting an external environment in that state. You're you're living inside an internally rendered environment. So there's not that like gap or lag of like, you know, an image hitting your retina and you being like, that's a tree, you know, right. It's just, you're, I don't know. And who knows what it is that you're in when you are actually in that state, if it's entirely you're within the confines of your own mind, or if it's your mind connecting to something else. We should do like a BCC live show in the, in the lucid dream space. uh, (laughs) That is something to aspire to. We'll do that for our 10 year anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll all be asleep and we'll do a full podcast. Yeah. I mean, we did try to, we did try to meet each other in everybody's dreams and all of our dreams a few Uh, years ago. And then I, we never fell through. We never followed through on that. Yeah. Uh, promise. It's too much work. I'm too lazy to be a, a an avid lucid dreamer. Yeah. Um, hey, this one's cool too. But I kind of put a red ink over it just because it's not important, right? James <laughs> Webb's discovers water vapor on distant planet forming area. No big deal. Uh, so let's that move was, on. Well, wait a minute. You can't bring something up and then just dismiss it. So <laughs> I, know, I think it's kind of cool. Bring it up. It is cool. Yeah, it's totally cool. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope has detected water vapor in a planet forming area of a distant star what does water vapor mean it means water what does water mean man you know that means life the agency announced monday in a major discovery that marks the first time very first time astronomers have found extraterrestrial water in an area with planets on the cusp of being formed shedding Mm. light on how life could have begun on earth so this is this is awesome you know uh wild stuff wow you know, where there's, you know, if there's water, there's planets, and where there's planets, there's a little alien friend. So I'm yeah. excited about this. I mean, totally. we'll be dead before they evolve, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Oh, you long sense, yeah. <laughs> now, we've discovered, like, ice on, like, you know, some of the moons off of Jupiter and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and, and mm-hmm. we know that water probably exists under some of those ice shelves in Mars, but, but to see it in this, in this state, I think it's pretty cool, man. It's like. There's got to be just this universe is teeming with life. Mm-hmm. The James Webb Telescope is one of the coolest thing that humans have like ever done. Oh yeah, I'm looking at a picture opinion. of it. it's badass. It's so cool and black that, and yellow, black and yellow. I was learning about Lagrange points recently. It's like places in orbits where you can park things so they'll stay. And it's <gasps> no, yeah, They're it's our so space parking spaces. They literally are that. It's like so that you can stay in in the orbit, and so rather than having to be in like low Earth orbit where you're moving really fast, and right. you you can park in these points that are called Lagrange points. That's where the gravity lines up, and then it just can hang there. And the James Webb is parked out at one of the Lagrange points, just looking out oh, at the universe. And it's cool. just like it is so cool. It is yeah. so cool that this is the things like that give me hope for humanity. You know? Hell yeah. Truly amazing. Um, 
I found, okay, I've been looking for this article as that we've talked, or since we've started talking, and I, I, I thought that we had this one queued up. So, uh, but there was this article that came out in Popular Mechanics called Scientists Believe That They've Unlocked Consciousness, <gasps> and it connects to the entire universe. I, not, okay. You guys <laughs> sent um, me that. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> okay, so here's the article from Popular Mechanics. Scientists believe they've unlocked consciousness and it connects to the entire universe. It's just a simple quantum wave that can interact with everything that's ever existed by Susan LaHaye. So when people talk about consciousness or the mind, the context almost always seems a bit nebulous. Whether we create consciousness in our brain as a function of our neurons firing or it exists independently of us, there's no universally accepted scientific explanation for where consciousness comes from or where it lives. Now, Bryce, this is a motto that you say all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, there's a new research on the physics, anatomy, and geometry of this mysterious notion. It's begun to reveal its possible form. In other words, we may soon be able to identify a true architecture of consciousness. This work comes from a theory from Nobel Prize-winning physicist Roger Penrose and an anesthesiologist, Stuart Hameroff. Um, and they're basically looking to explain quantum consciousness. Uh, Hameroff recently said that it doesn't have a defined physical space. He compared it to a fractal, a never-ending pattern that can be very tiny or very huge and still maintain the properties of any scale. Normal states of consciousness might be what we consider quite ordinary, knowing that you exist, for example. But when you have a heightened state of consciousness, Hameroff explains it's because you're dealing with quantum level consciousness that is capable of being in all places at the same time, which means your consciousness can connect or entangle with quantum particles outside of your brain anywhere in the universe, theoretically. So this is like stuff Love that it. we've talked about on the show uh, for a long time. You know, this idea that we really do, we are all one with the universe in some sort of great consciousness structure. So I'm going to throw this article, it's a pretty lengthy one up there, um, but it's pretty, pretty fucking cool stuff. And uh, it's very, it's very woo woo, but it seems like this could actually lead somewhere in the future. I'm interested, like, what is actually the sci science behind this whole Totally, Dang right? I, I hate that. Everybody throws around that word quanta. How dare those scientists and that anesthesiologist, <laughs> oh. right? Like, they should unpack that a little bit more. Well, I think I, this article goes on to explain, like, mm. how they're looking into this theory. Sure, um, totally. Efforts to but recreate quantum coherence, keeping quantum particles as part of a wave instead of breaking down into discrete and measurable particles worked only in very cold, controlled environments. When quantum particles were taken out of that environment, the wave broke down, leaving behind isolated particles. Okay, I'm go uh, you're losing me. You're yeah, losing exactly. Me. I mean, this yeah, is why yeah, I'm not yeah, reading yeah. all this stuff. Um, yeah, but it's, you know but I like, like, I like wow. that they are looking into me this too. series. Like, Bryce, yeah. in other words, this is the type yeah. of stuff that when you go, well, why, isn't sci why aren't scientists looking into some of these big ideas? Here, here's a case where scientists are theorizing Agreed. and looking into how consciousness connects to the universe as, as a whole. So it's taking yeah. a woo-woo they're, they're a little late to the game. Uh, <laughs> look up Dr. Rupert Sheldrake and Itzhak Bentoff. Uh, but yay, welcome to the I don't party. Know what that is. Wow. Well, there you um, go. Uh, right. But hey, uh, here's another BCC news story. I was going to throw this one out, but Michael, uh, Absolutely uh, Michael not. vetoed that. Uh, this comes from LA <laughs> Magazine. Uh, you guys, is Suzanne Summers haunting her Palm Springs home? Her widower is convinced of it. The yes. Three's Company star may have returned as a what? Sexy ghost. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, check this out. The afterlife hits different in SoCal when partygoers were disturbed by furniture moving around. At a Love Benedict that. Canyon home once owned by George Reeves, who, yes, played Superman with those tidies. Uh, they were sure that the late Superman actor had dropped by for a visit, and actor Chuck McCann was convinced that the red-headed apparition he saw watching her mansion on Roxbury Drive being demolished was Lucille Ball. TV producer and actor Alan Hamel told Page Six that his late wife, Suzanne Summers, who died of breast cancer at the age of 76 last October, had recently come to pay him a visit. The former skeptic 
which is what I love about this story, recounted three occurrences in the Palm Springs home that the couple shared that led him to believe that his former Three's Company star had returned as a ghost. Uh, I love that story, especially because I love when somebody is is sort of skeptical, but but then they have these experiences and they're like, maybe there's something to this. Well, what's the story? I like, come on, let's, uh, oh, what is she oh, doing? Oh, you want some more? You want a little want bit the, more? I want yeah? the ghost story. You got what's it. The well, ghost here, story? well, he says, quote, um, uh, oh, I, if you see a hummingbird or a cardinal and your late loved one is near, says Lori Jacobson, co-author of Hollywood Haunted, uh, there's signs and you know what to look for. Uh, so I, you know, I guess they had some uh, hummingbirds and, and of course the furniture moving is what I'm interested in. But, uh, oh, what's this? Uh, during their long marriage, Hamill and Summers made no secret of their active sex life. What time is it? Like noon, she said in 2021. I've had sex with him like three times so far today. Okay, gross. This is why I didn't want to read so on, wait, Michael. So this is what, <laughs> basically what you're saying is her her late, her her husband, her widower, is basically uh-huh. saying he still has sex with her ghost. Is that is that what I'm, t- is that <laughs> yeah, the takeaway yeah, from here? Yeah, yeah, let's take that from there. I like he that. He said, look, I feel her laying beside me. I have to leave. I go into the bathroom. I'm alone there, and I feel her presence. Once I interact with her presence, I go back and interact with the family. Holy shit. Wow, you're right. There's so much in there. Read between the lines here. He's having sex with her ghost. Once I interact with her presence, wow, that's a lot there. I go Mm -hmm. back and interact with the family. That's gross. Well, (laughs) he's feeling refreshed and grounded. He's a family man. I love it. That's Three's Company for you. Yeah. I didn't. I did not see that turn coming. I read oh, the part about the, oh. the hummingbird that you skipped. Yeah, this is this that. is the article. Okay, sorry guys, this is a heavy BCC news week. But you know what? It's just the boys, and, and there's a lot to cover. This is the one that really excited me. Tell me what you guys think about this. I was scrolling through uh, Insta, and I saw out of High Times uh, this article that researchers trace psilocybin to the dinosaur killing asteroid. What do you guys think of this? The origins of magic mushrooms may. Be be as explosive as their psychedelic properties. Uh, Thomas Edward reported in High Times of January 24, a team of researchers at the University of Utah and the Natural History Museum of Utah just completed the largest genomic diversity study for the genus psilocybe, fungi, the mushroom that we all enjoy recreationally for generations. (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, in more times, uh, they used to treat a host of different mental health disorders. But according to a, a press release from the university, the researchers found that the Psilocybe arose much earlier than previously thought, right around 65 million years ago. And guess what? That's right around when the dinosaur-killing asteroid caused a mass extinction event. And they established that psilocybin was first synthesized in mushrooms in the genus psilocybe with four to five possible horizontal gene transfers to other mushrooms. He's about to give up. He's about to give up. Million years ago, I'm done. But thou, that's awesome. <laughs> so, what are they um, saying that that, that psychedelic mushrooms arrived here on the comet that killed the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs? Yeah, yeah, basically. But th- that uh, wait, that are, they sort say- of a, are they? Yeah, no, they wait, are. Are they're they saying, saying a- that, or are they saying yes. it was just around the same time? They're saying that. I think they're jumping. They're 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 saying that. You know that it. it well, they're not coming out and saying that, but they're they're basically <laughs> saying they're Wait, saying on, it could be on. a possibility. I jumped to the end of the article here. So they're talking about the uh, the asteroid the threw Earth into a brutal, prolonged winter and killed eighty percent of all life. Right. Two life forms that thrived during the darkness and decay were Marmosets. fungi and terrestrial gastropods. Which are terrestrial gastropods? That's <laughs> yeah, a good so, album title. <laughs> so, evidence including the fossil record shows that gastropods had a massive diversification mm. and proliferation. Just after the asteroid hit, it was a good time to be a slug. And uh, it's known that terrestrial slugs are heavy predators of mushrooms. So, what they're saying then is then this this symbiotic de- uh, evolved to be a slug deterrent. Like, so it was, it, was the, it was the fungi fighting back against the slugs in the uh, that's kind of cool. That's the very dark cool. winter, which is very metal. Yeah, yeah. I want to so, go kind of a step further and think that like perhaps this mushroom is is our uh, progenitor, and that you know it's a directed panspermia type of event, and they they attach these mushroom onto comets, and they're like, let's get rid of the dinosaurs that, and start our species. I love that idea so much. Yeah. Yes, the, the, and so the they, they send it, they kill to... off the dinosaurs, and they start the human species working let's for the uh, plant monkeys. matrix. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's not what happened. That's not what the article is saying happened. <laughs> it was though. just slugs fighting mushrooms. Yeah. Slugs versus Listen, mushrooms. Pretty cool. This is cool. how I consume The secret cool war. Events. Still cool. <laughs> the secret psychedelic war. All right, everybody. It. Okay. Well, that's it for BCC News Roundup. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for this week's high strangeness. Thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. All right, everybody, it's time for High Strangeness, and uh, this is a quick reminder to all of you to join us over on Instagram at uh, at Bigfoot Collectors Club, if you're not over there. Uh, Bryce, you're up this week. Why don't you take it away and take us away? Yeah, awesome. I'm excited about this week. I've been... um been looking forward to this one. You know, I feel like that the paranormal community has come a long way, in a sense, over these last few years. You know, the UFO people are starting to talk to the Bigfoot people. The scientists are starting to talk to the spiritualists. The witches are starting to talk to the church. Well, maybe not that last one, but my, my point <laughs> is, I think the pendulum is starting to swing in another direction. And for the first time in a long time, people who take a serious interest in all of this weird stuff are starting to consider other explanations and more alternative theories as to just what the hell is going on out there. And so in the spirit of communicating with both sides, I'd like to talk about someone close to my heart, a man who's no stranger to the strange, a deep thinker who's even given us a few of the terms that we use to describe some of these bizarre nudges from beyond space and time. I'm talking about none other than the late, great Carl Gustav Jung, Swiss psychologist, psychoanalyst, dreamer, author, lecturer, artist, founder of analytical psychology, and yes, dare I say, mystic. What if I told you that Carl Jung's first foray into the world of synchronicity started with a bang. Literally. When he was 23 years old, whilst living as a student in Switzerland with his mother and sister, he found himself in turmoil about what to do with his life and whether or not to pursue uh, certain vocations, surgery being one of them. And he thought to himself, you know, if only I could receive some sort of a sign. And that's when it happened. The dining room table suddenly and inexplicably split right through the middle. Bang! I was thunderstruck. A table of solid walnut that had dried out for 70 years. How could it split on a summer day in the relatively high degree of humidity characteristic of our climate? Very excited about that, Carl Jung, by the way. Just Oh, thank you. Yes. His mother also witnessed the event, and no more than two weeks later, as if the strange phenomena wished to prove that it wasn't just a one-off, the bang happened again. Only this time it came from a sideboard, and this time Carl was out of the house, but when he came home, he found his mother and sister terrified and pointing to the sideboard, which was now open displaying a bread knife that had been broken into four pieces as if by magic. Carl was dumbfounded. It was as if the universe was saying, You are not meant to be a surgeon, Mr. Gustav. No cutting for you. 
Later in his life, that very broken knife would play an integral role in his burgeoning philosophy of unseen forces. It would also aid in a life-changing demonstration to one of Jung's mentors, the father of modern-day psychiatry, Dr. Sigmund Freud. In fact, there seemed to be so many strange occurrences happening around the Jungs that Carl's mother, Emily, started keeping a diary of precognitions and strange quirks of fate. Surely, a precursor to Jung's theory on meaningful coincidences. Even Carl's grandmother was said to have second sight, but it was his younger cousin Helene's flourishing ability as a medium that really grabbed Carl's attention. Jung became so fascinated by his cousin's apparent ability to summon a complete other side of her personality that he eventually submitted his doctoral dissertation on the subject. He titled it, on the psychology and pathology of so-called occult phenomena. Yes, it should be noted, however, that Carl was not convinced of some type of paranormality present in his cousin's ability, and in fact, he did later detect slight fabrications in her mediumship. However, that didn't dissuade Jung on the possibilities that became present to him. His primary concern was the way in which the medium seemed to be able to fragment a part of their soul or psyche. This fragmentation seemed to Jung to have a life of its own as it split off from the unconscious mind, dominating the medium in their trance state. The young medium Helene was simple and childish, but dominating the, the dominating part soul was aristocratic and distinguished. Jung stressed that you know, these part souls complemented the conscious mind, thus being the origin of his famous theory that the conscious and unconscious mind can balance and complete each other. But even more compelling to Jung was that the data seemed to point to the fact that these fragmented parts of other souls seemed to come from somewhere else outside the individual. In other words, some part of us must survive the passage of death. Uh, what do you guys think? Did you guys know sort of Carl Jung None had these uh, magical operations happening in his well, life? I, I knew that he was interested in this stuff, but, you know, like I have his book on flying saucers. I don't know if you're mm, going to get to that I'll get not. to that later, yes. But I always just thought it was more, you know, about him looking at it in, in mm. as interested in the way that the human psyche works. Right. And... Not so much that like these things are actually happening, but it's more about how the brain perceives reality and how it's all connected to like the um, collective unconsciousness. That being mm. said, I don't really know that much about Jung. So like um, outside of like the archetypal, you know, stuff that that Joseph Campbell would note in, right. in his book. So, I mean, it's all fascinating. But I just yeah. I've I've always been interested in like whether he actually bought into this stuff or whether it was just him sort of like, it's funny that the brain does these things. No, and no. what does Here's that say about away. personalities? Yeah. Hmm. He's one of us. He's an experiencer. Now, for the next seven years, he went on to study schizophrenia and other psychological disorders at the prestigious Bergzoli Mental Hospital in Zurich, where he expounded on his theories. His star was rising fast, and it no doubt caught the attention of another luminary in the field. Austrian neurologist and founder of psychoanalyst Dr. Sigmund Freud. And after a brief correspondence, the two met in Vienna in 1907 to discuss ideas and fast became friends. It turns out that their only real contention was when it came to religion and spirituality. Freud had no time for either, whereas Jung felt that they were an integral part of the life of the individual. Freud called it all Bosch. Jung perturbed by his disregard for the numinous, responded by telling Freud that he had made sexuality his substitute religion, which probably hit pretty close to home. Regardless of their disagreement, the two remained in close correspondence over the next few years, but things came to a head in 1909 when Carl visited Sigmund at his home in Vienna to address the matter further. And what started out as a conversation about parapsychology, no less, ultimately led Jung to press Freud on the matter of unexplainable phenomena, possibly produced by the psyche. And so Jung told Freud the story of the splitting walnut table and the breaking bread knife that split into four pieces back at his home in Switzerland with his mother present, to which Freud replied, Bosch. Now imagine 
someone whom you not only respect and admire, but someone who you consider a friend, nullifying the primacy of your experience and calling your mother a liar as well. Needless to say, Jung was pissed. I had some difficulty in checking the sharp retort on the tip of my tongue, and I had the curious sensation as if my diaphragm were made of iron and were becoming red hot. And that's when it happened. Bang! The bookshelf in the very room that they were standing in inexplicably exploded with a pop, similar to the one Jung heard in his home at 23. In complete astonishment, but with a twinkle in his eye, Jung looked at Freud as if to say, Can you believe that just happened? To which Freud could only muster, Bosh! Jung, in an unbelievable turn of events, turns to his friend and says, Watch, it will happen again. And as if on cue, it did. Legend has it, Freud was so visibly shaken by the experience that he made Jung vow to never speak of the incident between the two again, which he didn't. Isn't that wild? Imagine Carl Jung in an altered state, compelling unseen forces. Thou shalt bang again! <laughs> I've never heard any of these stories. Where, where, what is the source of this? Where does this come from? I've you know, it, it's from various sources. He's talked about it rarely in interviews, but it's, it's sort of a, uh, you know, a, a legendary story between the two. It's crazy. I, mm. Wow. Wild. Okay. Well, it's no wonder that after completing his seminal work on ancient archetypes and the subliminal roles they play in our lives, that he decided to weigh in on another matter altogether. One that uh, he felt it was his duty to speak on. And so he wrote, Michael, like you mentioned, Flying Saucers, a modern myth of things seen in the skies. Because while everyone else saw strange metallic craft in the sky, Jung saw his beloved symbols, one of which was the disc. And so in 1959, Carl Jung devoted a short essay on the subject where he expounded on what he believed was a man's collective unconscious being projected as physical objects in the skies. These objects represented man's desire for wholeness, which is what the disc or mandala represented. The word mandala has its origins in classical Indian Sanskrit with manda meaning essence or essence of life, manda, and la meaning container or vessel. Therefore, mandala can literally be translated into vessel of life, hmm. vessel of life. Jung proposed that there's a part of the unconscious mind shared by all human beings, which he called the collective unconscious. In essence, like the hive mind of a bee colony. This collective unconscious of our species contains universal experiences and memories inherited from our ancestors that can show up as images, symbols in our dreams, stories, art and literature on an individual and collective level, but also that the collective unconscious contains within it our collective rumblings and visions of our future as well. In other words, Jung saw man's discontent about his current situation, which we need not go into here, being projected onto the canvas of our skies as these seemingly otherworldly craft with dazzling lights danced around the sky effortlessly, deliberately taunting us and our basic knowledge of scientific understanding. In an age of unprecedented technological advance, here was the disc showing us that we knew next to nothing as to how the universe actually worked. These craft didn't need motors, engines, or hell, even pilots. You couldn't catch them, shoot them, or keep up with them because they could perform impossible maneuvers, move at impossible speeds, and even communicate telepathically with individuals or groups. Basically, everything that science tells us is impossible. Yet, here it is, and there it was, all in one nifty little package. To be fair, upon further examination, Jung did realize that perhaps there was something more complex to the UFO phenomenon than his pocket theory could provide. But it did seem to him uh, that there was an element to the UFO that was outside of ourselves, but he had a hard time putting his finger on it. Whatever the nature of the UFO, he thought it seemed to be carrying with it a message of monumental proportions. 
perhaps the glorious ships of light were a way of heralding in our next great stage of evolution, much like the murmurings in the Middle East of a coming messiah around 2,000 years ago. Whatever the case may be, Carl Jung helped us to realize that the latent potential within the individual, as well as the collective, was a wellspring of immense power. A power that could help shape us from within, without ever really knowing that it was even taking place. Much like the caterpillar, who is driven to entomb itself in its own silken sarcophagus, not knowing why, not knowing how, just knowing that the time to transform is now. Wow. Let's become sky gods! Yes! Sky gods! <laughs> wow. Wild ride, Bryce. Wild ride. Yeah. Um, I, I'm blown away by these, uh, origin stories about the, the, the knife splitting and the table splitting. It's wild. You know, I'm sure it's probably been extrapolated and and added on, but the, the germ Mm -hmm. of the story is there. You know, Mm -hmm. Carl Jung talked about, there was one episode, um, when he was with one of his patients and she was talking about this dream where she saw this scarab beetle, lo Mm -hmm. and behold, do you know what flies into Jung's office and hits the window? A fucking scarab beetle. He grabs it, hands it to his patient, and says, here's your beetle. So this type of stuff was happening all the time to Jung. And, and, and you know, this is why he coined that term, synchronicity, because he felt that, you know, if you could somehow get into this flow, the universe was going to send you messages. Yeah, I was just about to say, I mean, he really wrote the book on synchronicity and what the a-causal connection between Coined the term. things I didn't know that either. Is, yeah, which Ooh, is cool. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I I feel like when I hear stuff like this and the stuff that I've seen, like, there's real no conclusion to be had, you know. I guess there is no conclusion to be had about any of this stuff. I, I'm, I'm happy that there was a guy who thought about these things in a different way and thought mm-hmm. about what the symbolism means, like the mandala stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I love all that. You know what I mean? I think it's really cool. And I think it's, we need, we need people like that interpreting what these symbols are. Even if they were physical nuts and bolts objects, they still have symbolic meaning. And obviously I'm someone who has uh, theorized the idea that maybe the UFO phenomenon has some sort is some sort of psychic project projection or is some type of extraterrestrial interface that needs our hardware and our consciousness to manifest itself you know yeah. so I love all yep. this stuff I think it's really mm-hmm. cool you know and the part I, that stuck with me too is that uh, the the collective desire for wholeness mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting thing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he was all about integrating that shadow. And I think a lot of people sort of wonder what that means. And I'd love to help unpack that just a little bit. You know, so the shadow is the recognition. Like, okay, here's a great way to, to sort of understand the shadow. When we think of the Auschwitz guard, right, uh, watching over the concentration camps, okay. we think wow. that could be... I needed a no, little no, no, bit more no, preparation for this, turn. but go Listen, on. It's a hard turn, but it, we, it, it, this is to really to help understand the shadow. We see that that guard and we say, never me. That, I could, that would never, I could never happen to me. I would never allow that. And so we deny that part of ourselves. Uh, in other words... The danger is in man. And we all have the capability of... Evil. That is us. Mm-hmm. That is not the other, okay? The, mm-hmm. you, when you see, uh, whether it's genocide or wh- whether it's, uh, you know, travesty, murder, whatever dark thing you can think of, when you put that outside of yourself and say, that's them, not me, you deny the shadow. But if you can say, there's a part of me... that. that there's the, that exists within me as well, and I recognize that. Right, the capacity for evil. The exists. capacity yeah. for evil. Thank and you, Riley. Plays out in different. That's ways. right. So yeah. that that's the shadow, okay? And that's on a collective scale, and it's on an individual scale. And I and, think and, too, like that's the extreme end of it, but also the shadow represents like unconscious thoughts, unconscious desires, unconscious motivations. Well, I wanted and, to use the extreme because that people never go far enough. Right, they say, right. you know what I mean, and that's why you have to. Jung would say, you know. The light is found in the in the dark, in the muck, in the mess, in the shit. You know, so you have to go to the extreme in order to say that exists within me as well. 
Well, yeah, because if you deny your capacity for evil, then you have a denial mechanism that allows you to commit evil acts. That's it. Yeah, so, but don't, yeah, don't be evil. <laughs> yeah, d- be Spider-Man, don't be Venom. Yeah, yeah exactly, but- exactly. For you, if, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Joseph Campbell had this, it's one of my favorite stories when he actually got to meet a, um, it wasn't the Dalai Lama, but it was a, uh, it, it, it was a sanctified monk and um and you know and he, he had one question to ask this monk and he thought about it really hard and he says mm. and so joseph campbell goes to this monk and he says if we're supposed to say yes to everything um you know why not say yes to evil and you know what the monk told him what for you and i we say no you yeah. know, so it's 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 uh it's on the individual level. You know, we choose we choose good. You know, hmm. wow, this is getting pretty deep for Super Bowl Sunday. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> Thank you, Bryce, for sharing this with us. Um, I think it's time that we. Uh, turn the light on our shadows and turn uh, our thank yous over to some listeners who have joined us recently over at BCC The Other Side. It's time to thank some of our freaky friends. Eric Gibbs. Thank you. Eric Anthony. Thank you. Jeff R. Thank you. Damien Child. Thanks, Damien. Christina Gomez. Thank you. Lisa Cleveland. Thank you, Lisa. Amanda. Thank you, man. Holly, Stid- Holly Stidham. Thank you, Holly. White Wolf Oak. Wait, White Wolf Oak. Mm. Thank you, White Wolf Oak. Steve Ducher. Thank you. Susan Ring. Thanks, Susan. Jacob Gines. Thanks, Jacob. Ian Ramage. Thanks, Ian. Antoine Gomez Cosmeteer. Ah, thank you, Antoine. Welcome. And our favorite name of the week Trees Eat People Cosmeteer. <laughs> That Woo. they do eventually. Welcome. Head over yes. to patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock total access to three bonus episodes every month, the BCC Discord, and more. Upgrade to the Cosmeteer membership to unlock three music tracks from Super Producer Riley every every single month. Um, before we say goodnight, boys, let's swing over to the Collector's Corner to find out what else uh, we're working on and maybe what we're currently collecting or into. Um, I'll kick it off. Uh, Check out Bookie on Max. Season one is out now. You can catch a glimpse of me in a couple episodes. Uh, Season two uh, in production soon, hopefully. Um, I've really been into... I've been reading the sci-fi series Hyperion, the Hyperion Cantos by Dan Simmons, which is Mm. fucking awesome. Um, Written in 1989. It's beautifully written. Some of the best action sequences I've read in any book. And if you're into, like... Blade Runner or Alien, uh, although it's not those stories, it has awesome like cyberpunk elements. It has awesome like huge mythological fantasy elements, and it has sort of like the um, dread claustrophobia of of a movie like Aliens, all set in a Ooh, I love distant that. future where like humanity, Earth is dead, and humanity is expanded. Um, beyond the stars and there's some wild weird shit going on it's really 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 good i love it so much please uh comment or tag me or talk about it if you are a big fan of this series because boy oh boy am i loving it so much cool bryce what do you got oh what god what have i been doing you know you know what i i've sort of been um i go on these saturation periods i call them i've been listening to a lot of uh Alan Watts talks, um, you know, his son, Mark Watts sort of curates all his old lectures on, um, on, on, on a podcast called being in the way podcast. Uh, not sure if you've got, if you've ever listened to Alan Watts out there listeners, but I like to make a nice hot bathtub and, nice. uh, and, and just sit in and, you know, there's some great mixes. People put like chill, lo-fi chill step music to Alan Watts speaking. He was he was had such a beautiful voice, and he's basically known for bringing Eastern philosophy to the West. So he unpacked Zen Buddhism for all of us, hmm. and uh, and he's, it's just a pleasure. So I've been doing that, and um, yeah, that's what I've been doing. How about you? Man, Riley? that sounds great. An Alan Watts bath. That just that sounds. <laughs> I gotta try that. That sounds fantastic. I've been trying um, to sell it to my kids, but they're like, no. They're like, okay, Dad, just, just give it a try. No. That's your thing. <laughs> You're going to really elevate your consciousness. Right, right, totally. <laughs> uh, 
I've been uh, like I've been since I'm we're building this YouTube. I've been like on YouTube more and kind of like looking at, at things. And uh, two channels that I've been really into lately are this one guy named Isaac Arthur, and he does like hard science, distant future projection stuff. So he'll talk about like people homesteading on the asteroid belt or like. Um, you know, the space stations uh, that harness powers of entire stars and like how That's cool. we might feasibly actually get there. And uh, it's just, I, I, I love it. It's so great. It's, it's, and it's very soothing. And, and he has a, a very unique voice and I, I like the way he talks and he's just, it's great. I like couldn't recommend it more. Love it. And then the other channel that I've been really into is another one called history of the universe. And they're basically trying to go from like the moment of, you know, Big Bang or whatever oh, yeah. we're calling it that. now, yeah. And like through like just sort of how things formed, and I've just been like really loving these uh, sort of like long form like science. It's like reminds timelines me of, like, being back of in school <laughs> or something. Like listening to these like science podcast, basically YouTube channels, and just realizing there's like uh, I don't know. I guess I'm late to the party. There's there's, there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube. Who yeah, knew? like us. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, that's, that, that's been my thing lately. Sweet. Cool. Love it. Well, what are you guys listening to? We want to know. Chime in. Hit us up yeah. on our Instagram, our socials. How about our Discord on our Patreon? Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us what you guys are collecting. Join in on the convo. Sounds good. All right. We're going to cross over to the other side right now to talk about the the mythology behind Valentine's Day. If we don't see you over there, we're going to see you back here next week for an all-new episode of BCC. Until then, good night. And go get regressed. I don't know what Bosch means, by the way. No one ever told me. It means I'm Bosch. Bosch. Bullshit. Bullshit. I don't know what this is. I wasn't given any direction. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.